0: Hey everyone, Josh Neighbors here. Locked on Big 12 podcast. It is the 20th of February, 2023, and on today's show, Spencer McLaughlin, the host of Locked On Pac 12, is on the show. Um, I really wanted to let him speak and kind of give his perspective on what's happening in the pack right now. There are a few things that I could have pushed back on a bit more, but for the sake of timing and just the, the quality of the show overall. Uh, I wanted to let him kind of get his stuff in and let him talk about, you know, some of his perspectives. So, you know, if some of you out there are like Josh, why didn't you put back a bit more just because, you know, I wanted to let Spencer kind of get his, get his stuff in and and give his perspective. So hope you guys enjoy. It was a good conversation. Meeting of the minds, Josh neighbors here from locked on big 12, Spencer McLaughlin here from locked on Pac 12, uh, You all missed really the show before the show. Spencer (laughs) and I spent about 40 minutes talking about conference realignment. Um, It it would have made for good radio, Spencer, or podcasting because – we just kind of traded sentences and probably people wanted long.
1: It might've been hard to follow at one point. Yeah.
0: It was not long strains <laughs> of coherent thought. Um, no. We're brought to you all today here by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Make sure you guys check out the FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the number one sportsbook in America. Bet on anything. Uh, you guys can check out the FanDuel Sportsbook, great interface, all those kinds of things. So this this conversation, uh, we're going to talk football. That's where we're going to start. I just, I just, I have to ask you though. Um. Give us a timeline for what you think and when you think the Pac Twelve will announce a television deal. Because I think it I think it would statement be statement last week for the presidents.
1: Yeah, I, I think it would be hard for the Pac-Twelve to have its conference basketball tournament, even though basketball is secondary in all these media talks. It would be pretty hard to have that tournament ongoing and the amount of national eyeballs you'll you'll have, which is obviously greater than what you'll have in the regular season, at least doesn't compare to football, but it's still it's, you know, the, the audience, the presence where the games are broadcast and whatnot. It'd be pretty tough from a conference level to go into that tournament, have it play out and not have a media deal in place. I, I think what they're shooting for here, there's a possibility, and this is speculative on my part. I could see the deal having already been done, the details all finalized, but they're waiting until just before that tournament starts to roll it out so that they can use that as kind of the here's our deal, here's what we have, and here's why we feel good about it and all that sort of stuff. Because you you could dominate the media cycle right now, sure, but if you're talking about maximizing the amount of attention that that you're getting and any expansion teams that you could add you would probably want it to coincide with your conference basketball tournament, especially if one of those teams is San Diego State, which would, I think, today be the number three team in the Pac-12, because Pac-12 basketball is just abhorrent uh, right now. Like, let's let's not even get into that conversation, because yeah. goodness, goodness gracious, it's just a mess. So, Absolute mess.
0: So I, I think also on that, you know, the number one thing with all of this is with, these, with the conference commissioners in the schools is get the grant of rights signed, right? It was one of the questions that, that John Willner and John Canzano asked uh, Brett Yormark the other day when he was on on their podcast was, is the grant of rights signed? And he pretty much unequivocally said yes, right? That is the big key um, for for the PAC-12 schools. And and look, you seem very confident. And you and I actually, for as much disagreement as we had before the show, you and I are on the same page, um, like pretty confident that they get a deal done. The big question is just going to be, what is the payout per school? Uh, is it a school? Is, is it a contract that's going to include the additions of San Diego state and SMU? And is it one that brings them along financially or do they ever even make them full partners? But I think you and I are, you and I are of the belief that they get a deal done. I think you're a bit more sure about it than I am. I'm kind of more in the 65, 35. They do. You think you're more towards 80, 90% they do. Yeah. Um, w- w- so your thoughts on that and and also, I mean, would you just want to announce it to get this thing out of the way because the amount of heat on you? I, I get it. I get it. I think there's some value to that though when it really downtime when it comes to the college ball schedule.
1: So I don't have uh, the utmost faith in in one thing and that's that the Pac-12 could be this savvy in terms of content and attention, but maybe, right, kind of piggybacking off my thought of when they would roll it out, maybe right before the conference basketball tournament. Is it just a, a, kind of like, marketing get attention all publicity is good publicity sort of thing get everybody focused on when are you going to get a pac-12 media deal and and let that ramp up a little bit and then release it it's like that's just a thought now has the pac-12 historically been that savvy in terms of utilizing social media and buzz spaces and whatever you want to whatever else is out there and there's too much for even me to keep up with and i'm in this sort of space so the answer to that is, is probably no but I think if they add San Diego State and SMU, who I think are the two best partners, there are a lot of quality expansion candidates that that the league could add for various reasons. And I've talked about those on on my show, for those of you who are locked on Big 12 listeners or viewers, you can go back and go through is basically a running series of you know evaluating expansion candidates there. But San Diego State and SMU look like the clear two choices there. They will not be as Utah was not when they joined from the G5 ranks back in 2011, a full-time earning media rights member in terms of the payouts. And on the expectations front, I, I don't know if they can get to the Big 12's number. I don't think it's impossible, but... I think as long as you're you know, within 5 million or so, that's not putting you at a major competitive disadvantage for the athletic departments in terms of how much money they have compared to their peers. Because the other conference that gets left out of this sort of stuff and the Pac-12 and Big 12 get tied together because there are people who think that the four corner schools are, are going to go in, in something like that, which I, I do not share that particular opinion. But look at the acc no one's talking about the demise of the acc or are they going to be able to stay together can they be competitive and whatnot and their media rights deal is right around where the big Twelves is so if, well it's because it runs through 2036 and you can't break it right <laughs> that,
0: is, it, that it is, is that is correct is, which is, by at the, the way same time a it is a horrible television contract but also it it's good because if you're talking about security, because nobody can- High floor,
1: you. high floor, low ceiling. That's the ACC's media It
0: really kind of evens out in the middle, right? It's yeah. like, Great, so, we're going to make money together. Right. And so on, on,
1: on that front, that's why I anticipate the Pac-12's media deal being probably- in the six to seven year range. I'd be pretty shocked if it goes above that because I think what they're going to wanna do is have SDSU and SMU come in as part-time media rights earners and then see how much value they can provide and bring to the conference. And in six to seven years, you hope they're able to raise their profile, be competitive within the league, perhaps be more attractive to, uh, to television networks or streaming partners or whoever could be involved and then renegotiate the deal again, right? Because the Big 12's deal expires in 2030 to 2031. I think they did it with the same exact mindset there. And I think the question for George Klyovkov is, do you want to renegotiate your next deal before the Big 12 or after the Big 12? And only he and the television partners can really know the answer to that question. I would
0: say before, judging off what just happened, right? I mean, I I think the big-
1: That depends on on how this media rights deal goes.
0: When it comes to this conversation right now- Everybody's basically saying this, but the Big 12 did undercut the Pac 12, right? The Pac 12 they had the inside track, and the Big 12 went early, and they got their deal done. Now maybe people could say, hey, they took less money what they're worth, but that kind of reset the market. It's frustrated a lot of Pac 12 folks because yeah, they think they're not getting commensurate value for what it's worth. But the Big 12 made a pretty smart, savvy move of getting security, making the additions, and now also guaranteeing their window they will be up again pretty soon. Right, and once again they. The SEC is going to be up. The Big Ten will be up. I'm sure the SEC will probably be up again, um, and then the ACC. You know, they're going to beat the ACC to the open market again. Maybe even a second time around, right? Yeah, I know. Before which that, which
1: so. is which is which is going back to what we're talking about with regards to the, the the ACC there. But I think for for the Pac-12, they're looking at what the Big Twelve did and said, okay. Maybe we want to come under. Maybe or we want to we want to renegotiate first. Maybe we want to re- re- renegotiate second. Might depend on what they're able to get this time around, right? If they're, I would say it, it's first. <laughs> if they if they come in potentially, unless the pack. Come 12, on,
0: Spencer you, you can't you can't argue that the Big Twelve. No game. no 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 no. Hold on hold on
1: hold on. If they if they pull a rabbit out of the hat and they get say thirty four million per school per year and it's above the Big Twelve, which would be seemingly wishful thinking at right. this point at this point in time but if they were able to do that then maybe they would but, sure, that's, but,
0: but there's no indication that that's going to be the case
1: at this point in time yeah there was also yeah. until USC and UCLA left the Pac12 no indication that that was really going to happen and then all of a sudden right but like,
0: but, but but this is
1: yeah, no, oh, I know yeah, no, I, 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 I I I I would say there's like a 10% or less chance that they could get in the mid to upper 30s. Like I I I'm not saying it's impossible, but I don't think it's particularly likely, which is why going back to my original point, I think it'll be kind of in the 6-year range, maybe maybe 5 to 6-year range. Like it could be a pretty short deal so that they can get themselves out there, build the conferences as best they can athletically and then be in a position where they feel like they can get significantly more with San Diego State and SMU as as a part of it and with the Big 12's deal being up in 2030 31 i, I figure that you know this deal is going to start in 2024 right so I, I think 7 years would be the absolute maximum but i i would I would guess my my year guess would would be 6 and if they can get if they can get at least 28 20, 27 28 million per school then i then i think they'll be fine
0: uh, all right. We're here. A quick word from our sponsors today. We are brought to you all by LinkedIn. If you are hiring, you need to find somebody for your job, go check out LinkedIn today. It's the best place. Also, if you need a job, good place to go. If you're not on LinkedIn, folks, get on there. It's going to help those uh, those hiring managers, all those people you want to impress. It'll help them find you and hire you for whatever job you are out there looking for. You guys can post your job today over at LinkedIn slash On. Uh, I'll help you post your job for free. Once again, it's LinkedIn.com slash locked on LinkedIn.com slash locked on to post your job for free terms and conditions. They do apply folks. Um, And so, and so one more thing on this, on the, I want to ask you about the job George Klyavkov is doing. So what is your estimation of the job that he's doing right now as conference commissioner? Now I will, I will say this difficult hand, right? Um, Oh, impossible hand. Yeah. Impossible hand. Paying a ton of money in rent, uh, Pac-12 network's a disaster, um, and it's not by his doing. But I will say the one area where he missed, and once again, this is my opinion, that they they missed with when their television deal came to market, and they're having a tough time right now. They've not met the deadline they want. It sounds like they're not going to meet the financial goals they want. So it's you know you, you can't check every box you want, I guess, in that situation. But your assessment of the job that Kliavkov has done. As commissioner
1: I, I think his biggest misstep to this point was placing trust where it was not reciprocated and that was in usc and ucla because look in in hindsight yeah you should have gone back in time and the pac-12 would have probably loved to have added maybe houston and you know insert other schools, maybe houston smu san right. diego State, whatever right maybe but even I, big 12 I, schools Anson yeah big 12 I, schools. I, I i think i think if you could go back in time two years ago you'd say, let's go get SMU and Houston. I, I think that's the biggest one. Because one school that I think is not in the running, according to John Canzano recently, is uh, what was Rice, which, look, I, I was not crazy about. But it was certainly an option, right? They're an elite academic school, definitely a fit in that sense in the Pac-12, and they're in the Houston area. But well,
0: their academics are, or the athletics are just so crap.
1: <laughs> ab- absolutely horrendous. And I mean just just that, that, like they can't do it's hard to
0: be an engineer and and play college basketball (laughs) they've been they've
1: been to like two bowl games and i don't know if they've won it in the last decade or so like it's been it's been really really rough on on that front so i think when you look at what what george k has done that's the biggest misstep so far but he you know he was given the reins of a pretty tough situation because the pac-12 network did not get the sort of exposure that, that it needed to in order to sufficiently market these schools to athletes and students across the country because he couldn't get it on direct TV because he wanted to have these states, like he just got too entrenched in this specific vision and wasn't willing to check the big boxes first. And that was a ginormous misstep. And that, along with USC saying, no, we, we don't want to add any schools at this point in time, and then turn around and say, by the way, we're going to go to the big 10. That was that that's kind of the biggest misstep there. Can you blame him? Yeah, I I, I guess, but I don't think it's a colossal mistake. I'm holding judgment on him until I see what the media deal actually is, what it looks like and how it compares to the other conferences, because that's ultimately the most important job for a commissioner right now in college sports. So when you say, how are you assessing like, I know people want to look and say, oh, he's doing terrible, the Pac-12 this, Pac-12 that. Like, it's all sentiment and speculation right now about the Pac-12 is in a terrible place media rights-wise. They could be. You can make that argument for sure, but until we actually see the deal, you I, don't know.
0: I would say, Spencer, th- the issue for them is they're in a bad place narrative-wise. And look- and Narrative-wise, narrative, sure, but sure, narrative, the, narrative
1: but, is not always reflective of reality. Sure,
0: sure. But perception can sometimes be reality, and I, I think- the one I think issue perception in can
1: influence reality.
0: Well, sure. I, actually, and I think that's the one problem they're having right now. And look, you know, I would I would say for the Pac-12 presidents, like I, I, I here's the one thing we do know we do know they all would like to remain together. Yeah, we'd all like that, right? They would all. I think if the overall health of the sport, that would be great. We'd all like. I'd like Oklahoma and Texas back. I'm sure you guys would like USC and UCLA back. It's not really the reality now. We have to kind of look out for ourselves. Pac-12
1: fans would like USC and UCLA back without them having announced they're leaving first. Because I can assure you, now that they've announced they're going to the Big Ten, Pac-12 well, fans would like to kick them out the door.
0: It's the same thing that happened with Oklahoma and Texas, right? I mean, we saw what just yeah. happened there. Right? You, just, you just saw them you know, get the deal done because everybody kind of wanted to move on with their lives. And so that that's what happens in those situations. But I, I will say, um, he is... Maybe he's not, but the conference is taking a beating right now when it comes to to narrative wise, which you know, it's all now. It, this gets down to the next thing: the actual on field product, right? And one thing to think about, you know, moving towards like next season is, um, which kind which kind of league is in a better spot? Yeah, um, it's it's, an interesting it's a fa- question.
1: it's a it's a fascinating question now because they're I, they're kind of in similar spots, honestly. I, I they're about I to techno, expand yeah. to twelve teams adding g5 brands to do so and they just lost their two biggest media draws for football and 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 ucla is not the second biggest brand for football in the conference but they are one of the most viewed they're like the gosh they're probably like the fifth biggest brand in 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 terms of football and you know what they've done there but usc is clearly number one oregon's number two washington's probably number three stanford's probably number four and then ucla at five in in terms of like your strongest brands there so i do think you know talking about perception and reality the idea that the pac-12 is going to be so much worse off in football without those schools are they worse off yes but is it as bad as people think I don't think that answer is true because UCLA has not been well, consistently relevant. Chip, Kelly, it's think, taken Chip Kelly. It took him like four years just to make them into an eight-nine win team, and they can't crack ten wins. So that, like, that's. I think th- the issue is this. I think it's the loss
0: of depth, right? You and I were talking before, yeah. and you have to admit this. I mean, while they're while they're not these excellent schools, they add depth to a league that has a a bottom. A I mean, and look, we don't know what's going to happen with Colorado, but here's the thing: is as 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 much as we love what's happening with Dion's momentum, uh, Col- he is from the southeast part of the United States. Maybe he stays at Colorado for twenty years. I would bet against that, right? I think it's I think it's something we have to acknowledge. Well, yeah, I mean, well, most Cal- coaches
1: don't stay places for twenty. Well, years.
0: sure, but like you know, I I think maybe l- uh, less than five is kind of what we're actually talking about here. Uh, Colorado and uh, obviously number one, Stanford, Cal, those have all been down. Actually, and the good thing, the, the, the interesting part is the schools that have been left out of the realignment conversation, namely Washington and Oregon, Washington State and Oregon State, have been very solid depth to a league. Very solid, very solid depth. But the problem is, if you weed out a USC who's towards the top and a UCLA who is middle but towards the top, you have now lost. Yes, yes, yes.
1: They're, 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 they're like, if you look at them the last 15 years, they're like squarely towards the middle.
0: With, with Chip, it's fine. It's still competitive depth. I
1: right. would
0: say this. While the heavy hitter is Washington and Oregon, um, on a year-to-year basis, you probably like their chances over the TCUs and the Baylors of the world. Um, the one thing that drew Fox back to the Big 12 was there is so much competitive depth in this league. We're putting really good games on TV all the time, whether it be TCU, Kansas State, TCU, Baylor, Baylor, Oklahoma State. You know, you just kind of you kind of switch the Rubik's Cube and turn it around, you're getting all kinds of these good matchups. The Pac-12 top to bottom is not offering that. Think about it like this, too. The Big 12 in the last three seasons, and I mentioned this for a bunch in the podcast, but for Pac-12 fans, has had six separate teams in the Big 12 championship game. Five of them are not our remaining members. Iowa State back in 21, they play or 20, they played Oklahoma. Baylor then Oklahoma State, then TCU, then K-State. And then this year, the best story in the league, you know, for the first half of the season, you got College Game Day there was was the fantastic. We saw Kansas, right? We're not going to
1: expect that to be super sustainable though, right? No.
0: Oh, well, Lance Lipoll, they might be they might be better, but like there is more there is more depth in this league. Than there in the Big 12, and there is a Pac 12. The top may be a bit better, but I think the cyclical changes make the Big 12 overall, in my opinion, a more entertaining conference on a game-to-game basis. I think
1: I, I think that particular argument is contingent upon the G5 schools that the Big 12 is adding sure. being pretty competitive right away. Sure. Because if you're asking me right now, I mean Washington State is a, is a pretty darn tough job, but that's also a Washington State team that went into Madison last year. And beat Wisconsin. Down year for the Badgers, sure, but again,
0: massive accomplishment.
1: Yes, massive. And they play them again this year. Like if they if they win that game against Wisconsin with Luke Fickle there, I'd be one of the biggest wins for Washington State football in the last 15 20 years. I mean, it would be up there with beating Oregon on College Game this, Day. This, this year. 100 percent. It, oh, yeah. It's the first time they beat a ranked. I'm pretty sure Wisconsin was ranked in that game. It's the first time they beat a ranked Power Five team on the road since like the '90s, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's absolutely massive. And so, I I think I've seen what Cincinnati can be with Luke Fickle and Brian Kelly at the helm. I don't know what I don't I don't even remember who their new coach is honestly. But uh, I it is
0: Scott Satterfield.
1: Where'd he come from? Louisville. Okay, so you have it. You have a respectable head coach there okay. for sure. But I've seen what Cincinnati can be with these other great coaches. But we don't know that Satterfield can get them to that level. I've seen Gus Malzon win games at Auburn, never at a conference championship level consistently from time to time. I think that's a quality coach we oh, bring in your league. Let's
0: give Gus let's give Gus some credit here. Oh well, hold on. No, I'm I'm, is, I'm I'm
1: I'm a Gus Malzon defender. Uh, I don't think no, he ever okay, should have right. been fired from Auburn. Uh, I don't think I think it was ridiculous they fired him from Auburn. And well, Zach Blackerby is probably shaking in his boots and to say that right uh, now. I want just,
0: I to just, well, well, I, well, I ask you this though. Out of those four new schools are adding, I would ask you like wouldn't you like their chances against all three Pac-12? Like, because here, and here's the thing, Colorado. I don't really like. We've got no clue what that's going to look like. No clue. I, I expect it's going to be somewhat decent, but I would like the chances of last year. Let's just let's go to last year because that's all we have. Last year's UCF, last year's Cincinnati that was down year, last year's BYU, and last year's Houston over all three of the bottom dwellers in the Pac-12. I, I would. I would. I think they'd be favored in all those games.
1: I think that's correct, and I think those schools were just way, way, way. Dead. And by the way, you left Arizona State out of that conversation. Oh, and they're yeah. doing a lot of interesting things with with, with Kenny Dillingham here, adding Jaden Rashada. They've added a lot of players in the port, like.
0: And that's why. I, that's why I think subconsciously so I didn't even add them because, like, I expect once again, you know this, I know this. Arizona State should be good at athletics. Oh, sleeping no giant. Reason. Okay, I, a, no a, a buddy, a
1: buddy of mine who went to Arizona State has lamented for years to me time and time again, and I completely agree with him. There is no, I mean zero excuse, zero reason that Arizona State and Arizona, frankly, and Arizona basketball has got it figured out, but football has just been a different story. I do like what Jed Fish is doing there for sure. There's zero excuse for those schools to not be top tier football programs, right? Like It just came down over the years to money a little bit, but investment and coaching hires, right? Like If you're just looking take take out everything you know about these particular schools why is oregon a better place to be a coach than arizona or arizona state arizona's got way i mean way more talent in its backyard proximity to california closer proximity to texas it's a more attractive place to just go to school like well, oregon's got a beautiful campus but like arizona come on man this
0: is this is why uh, this is why i think arizona arizona state are there are very compelling options to the, yeah. you know, if they join the Big 12? Because, and here's the thing I know Could they're be. adding SMU, but the fact that five schools, the Big 12, are located in Texas and you're making trips, you know, you make what, three or four trips there a year mm-hmm. to Tech, Baylor, TCU, Houston, you know, all those places, right? I, I mean, you're making all of those trips and you're playing those schools, I, I think it expands their recruiting profile a bit more. Also, you know this too about the kind of exodus from California that's happening to a a place like Arizona. Uh, There is, I think there is a compelling argument to be made about why ASU could thrive, in Arizona, if that matter, football, they could be set up to thrive more in a place like the Big 12. Now, this is not me saying, making the argument for them to come. I'm just saying I have thought about that at times.
1: This is why adding SMU makes so much sense for the Pac-12. Right. Because you want to have a footprint in Texas, it's not just so that you can get into the Dallas media market. And I know SMU isn't the biggest TV draw there at this point in time, but when they get to the Power Five level, I'd, I'd rather go in go in that direction than in a number of other ones they could they could potentially go for sure. there. But it also helps the other schools in the league because they're now going to come to the state of Texas. You're now going to get watched by more people in the state of Texas, and they're going to get to see the programs, and they could make you know, like. That's just what the appeal of SMU is. Right. And why I would have loved for them to be able to get Houston in this realignment. Cause I think obviously it would have been a perfect travel partner. You got another good size media market down there in Houston. It would have been a great fit for, for the PAC 12. And in that sense, your mark definitely outmaneuvered Klyovkov over the the last couple of years or so on, on that front. But I think getting there is, is an advantage for, for the PAC 12. And I, I do think the bottom does need to rise because I think you make a, a compelling point. Like, if Kansas is the worst team going forward, or at least has got the worst tradition, can like, like Kansas is the bottom, right? Or Kansas yeah, is the team the yeah. most likely to bottom out. We saw what they were capable of this year, but then they also went one and seven down down the stretch.
0: Yeah, J- Jalen Daniels was out though. I mean, yeah, Jader no,
1: that, that no, that's that team that's that's, that's true. But again, right, other schools can survive losing a starting quarterback more easily than than others, right? So yeah. like Ohio State, you know, won a national championship, much to my chagrin, with a third string quarterback. <laughs> like, like that's just that's just the way that, it, that right. it goes. But I agree with you about the top because I think if you look at the teams what their potential is, where they're at right now, where their programs are going. Yeah, TCU was really, really fun this year. Who's betting them to get back to a 14 playoff next year? I am not. I am not. Not even even a little bit on on that front. So your top schools, you know, and and it it could be really an interesting case study from a viewership standpoint of what's more valuable to a conference, having depth or having more high-end teams? Because I think you look at Oregon with Dan Lanning, Utah and Kyle Whittingham, Washington and Kalen DeBoer, those are your top three teams going forward. And then if Colorado, and I was talking about this yesterday on the show, Colorado is the biggest wild card here and could be absolutely crucial for football competitiveness in the Pac-12 going forward. Because I think what we've seen in recruiting in college football is if you recruit at a really high level, you're not necessarily, you're not automatically going to hit your ceiling. Oregon's won the Pac-12 high school recruiting battle each of the last four or five years, but they haven't won the championship every year, right? But where have they been? A very, very high floor program with double digit wins in each of their last three full college football seasons, 12 in 2019, and then 10 each of the last two years. So if Deion Sanders is going to recruit, let's say he stays and I've speculated about this before. It's anybody's guess what job he'd be interested in, what jobs come available and such. Let's say he stays at Colorado for five years. If he stacks three top 10 to 20 recruiting classes together, that's going to raise the floor dramatically. It's not a guarantee that they'll win a conference championship, but just by virtue, as long as they are able to get more than just a couple positions, which I think they can, if they just recruit at that level for several years, it's hard to not see them in in two years being an eight to nine win team just because they will have more talented players than a lot of other teams in the conference and it's colorado which is a solid academic school but it's not restrictive the way the Bay Area schools are like and i think that's the challenge for the pac-12 is the bay area schools have a lot of money at the universities have potential that we've seen the cal less so but cal back in the day was actually very good cal and like they have no
0: desire to be good now
1: yeah, it kind of feels that way, right? Like there was a game. I think it was the Cal Washington game. They brought on Justin Forsett and Marshawn Lynch, great Cal running backs from the past. And Marshawn Lynch was first of all, he swore like three times on national television because he's Marshawn Lynch. But he looked around the stadium and was like, "What's going on? What? What? What are we? What are we doing? This is This is not how it not how it used to be." So, I think Cal and Stanford are in tough spots going forward. But I don't see a team in the Big Twelve that has i think the ceiling that you know consistently that in oregon washington or utah does
0: right well those are those are blue chip ratio schools too so so i'm with you on that um
1: well, Utah, Utah, is kind of the kind of the new kid on the block on that front. Well,
0: like, they're, yeah, they're, they're they're not there, they're not there, but but Washington, Oregon are the blue chip ratio schools. That's why. They're right, not they're right,
1: yeah, no, they're they're the flagship bears from a football standpoint in the conference going forward. Whether you're looking at TV viewership, brand power, competitiveness, quality of teams, the coaches that they've got, I think that's absolutely true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, that will do it for today's show, Spencer. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety?
1: Locked on Pac-12 Monday through Friday YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also on uh, Locked on Ducks if you want to hear more about Oregon as well. But yeah, this was fun. We could have gone for a solid yeah. hour and a half. Yeah. So we, we might have to. Want- ju- we might have to just do this again.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll do it again. We'll definitely do it again
1: soon. <laughs> just uh, as long can. as we don't have to talk about Pac-12 basketball. It's it's, it's there has never been a greater manifestation to- of the iconic Moneyball line. There's Arizona. And there's UCLA. And then there's 50 feet of crap. And,
0: there's, then, there's, and then there's everyone else. <laughs> uh, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at JoshNaggers underscore. You guys can find the show at L O Big 12 uh, You guys can get us wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. All right, Spencer, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Yes, indeed.